0: Open they're away in the golden slipper. There's a great start, and Mick Vitmaske on the extreme outside is about the first out. Juggler on the outside lunging, but Catlin opening just in front. Jaggler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening is lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit. The juggler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing, and Inglis. The Sydney Autumn Carnival is gathering momentum and will feature two great Group Ones at Randwick on Saturday. Highlight is the $600,000 Chipping Norton Stakes, first run in 1925, the race that Winks and Tie the Knot dominated in their day, each winning it four times on the trot. Co-feature will be the surround stakes for three-year-old fillies, 1400 metres, worth half a million dollars. This race was created in 1979 to honor the career of the super filly who won 12 races as a three-year-old, including a Cox Plate. Also on the card will be the Group 2 Guy Walter. Fast forward one week to March the 6th for the $1 million Group 1 Randwick Guineas over 1600 meters the race that should identify the three-year-olds most likely to go on to the rose hill guineas on slipper day co-feature will be the 1300 meter group one canterbury stakes the slipper puzzle will take on more clarity with the running of the Rising stakes for the fillies and the todman for the colts and geldings sydney at this time of year plays host to world-class racing Mind boggling prize money. The Australian Turf Club and Racing New South Wales proudly present the 2021 Autumn Carnival. Tony Earhart looks nothing like his 73 years as he works horses among much younger jockeys six mornings a week at Brisbane's Eagle Farm. In his heyday, he'd think nothing of riding 15 or 16 horses a morning but nowadays he rides only two or three for his wife, trainer Lorraine Earhart. Mind you, Tony was missing for almost two years after breaking a femur in a track work accident in 2018, and many thought the veteran jockey would finally call it quits. However, last October, frustrated with some bad habits a couple of Lorraine's horses had developed, he returned to the saddle and hasn't stopped since. Tony Earhart has no idea how many winners he's ridden. He does remember winning his first race at Kilcoy in 1963 and landing his first City winner on Saturday Girl in the same year. He also recalls the thrill of winning a Brisbane Jockeys Premiership as an apprentice in the 67-68 season. In the era when he was firmly ensconced among Brisbane's top jockeys, Trainers like Tommy Smith and Bart Cummings would seek his services during the Brisbane Winter Carnival. Tony had his last race ride at Doomben in December of 2015, finishing unplaced on Euron Gilly. His last winner was a horse called Boar Hull at Eagle Farm at the end of 2012. Tony Earhart has been an ornament to Queensland racing for six decades. And the fact that he's still a regular at Eagle Farm track work is testimony to his great passion for racing and his great love of the thoroughbred. And I've got the old marvel on the phone right now. Good morning, Tony Earhart.
1: Good morning, John.
0: You won't give it away, will you?
1: No, not yet. I'd <laughs> like to.
0: <laughs> oh, no, you wouldn't.
1: <laughs> no, I like it. It's, it's great. Everyone around, it's beautiful.
0: It's a a lifestyle, John. That's right. Tony, you've had two major setbacks in the last seven years. You were still riding in races in 2014 when you were suddenly conscious of breathlessness. At first, it appeared the insertion of a stent was all that was needed, but it went beyond that.
1: Yeah, they just had to patch me up. Open I <laughs> had open heart surgery and fixed me up, and away I went again, mate.
0: Yeah, so it was a multiple bypass.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: You were and back at the, well, you talk and about it, it like it was good. a toothache. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, it, well, it all went good. All went good, and all, all, everything was right. You know. Yeah. M- marvelous people marvelous people, doctors, and everything good was t- too easy.
0: You were back at the races in about sixteen months, and you went very close to becoming the oldest jockey to ride a metropolitan winner when you ran second on Top Tone, trained by your wife, in a race at Doomben. I think one of Pat Duff's got up to blouse you in the last few strides. You were sixty-eight then. Yeah, well, that that that, that was what,
1: saying. That was one of the it, uh, the worst part of that was, oh, not, getting beat was bad enough, but I was riding the other horse work at D- Deegan at the time too.
2: Well, yeah. And he got up
1: yeah. and beat me, that Patty Duff,
2: yeah.
1: Mm. <laughs> but never mind. No, it was, a, it, was, it was great, you know.
0: You had only five more rides after that before officially retiring to become Lorraine's chief track work rider. Now, the next setback was a broken femur. How did that happen?
1: Oh, we, I was working one white morning and she just stumbled and blundered mm. and, and went down and, and fell on me and uh, just broke, broke the leg, the femur. So uh, that put a stop to me.
0: Yeah, you knew you were in trouble instantly.
1: Yes, yeah. Well, we just broken the leg and uh, they they done a marvellous job there. A chap called Paul Butterworth, a trainee, he come around, hmm. held me up until the ambulances they got there and uh, hmm. and they took over. But uh, it all ended up pretty good. I'm back up and around again.
0: Yeah, I'll say you were. Well, once you got back on your feet, you were a stable hand for a while, but the urge to get back into the saddle never left you. And last October, you bit the bullet, and you got those reins between your fingers again. And Lorraine says it was though, as though you'd never been away.
1: Yeah, I think she's exaggerating a bit, but I, I, I got going again anyhow. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good, mate. I like doing it. and it, uh, It's just one of those things. It's like anything, I think, if you're driving a car or whatever you do, I never owned a surfboard or anything, but it's the same sort of thing. You just get up and go again.
0: Yeah, you took it slowly though, Tone. You didn't ride fast work for quite a few weeks.
1: Oh no, no, probably about two or three months, you know. Mm. Yeah, you, you just got to get your strength back, and that when you're off for a good while, you lose a fair bit of muscle at strength. Mm. and strength. Uh, and but that that's that's what comes with all jockeys, you know. Yeah. When you you get hurt, you got to build back up to it. And uh, no, it all end up all right, mate. All right. end up pretty good. I bet
0: it felt good the morning uh, you actually went out to do your first fast gallop to feel that thoroughbred power underneath you again. Hard to
1: beat. It's a buzz. Mm. It's an absolute buzz. It's a, I don't know. As I said, I've never rode a fa- uh, surfboard, but I imagine it'd be something doing like that, skimming across on waves. But when they're galloping, mm. they just found, feel terrific. Horses it really, really makes your heart glad. Mm. You're a
0: native of a great little racing town called Gympie, about 170 kilometres north of Brisbane. Now, Tony, a bloke you know well, Glenn Bosch, had the audacity to claim that he's the best jockey to ever come out of Gympie. What do you got to say to that?
1: Well, John, we're both from there. We've both done all right. At, uh Bosch, a good rider. And he, he's probably one of the best in Australia, I, I think.
2: Mm.
1: He's left left me behind line, line a bit. He's rode two or three Melbourne Cup winners and Caulfield Cup winners. He's rode everything. But he was never afraid to travel and, and really, he really wanted to be a jockey. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's full credit to Glenn. He's just marvelous mm. I've got
0: a cute little photo of Tony Earhart at about two years of age dressed up in a tiny jockey's outfit made by his mother and it was made for a local fancy dress ball in Gympie. Now, I'm going to put that photo on the website when we post the podcast next week, so I hope you're not embarrassed by it.
1: No, i I rather makes you feel good to look back and see how things were done back then.
0: Mm. How did you go at the fancy dress ball? Did you win a prize?
1: I don't know, John. I think the girls come in front of the boys every time, don't they?
0: Yeah, they do. Tone, many jockeys have cut their teeth at Pony Club and you were one of them. You were riding from a very early age.
1: Yeah, we were fairly young when the Pony Club started off. I was from the Gympie area, and we were out at a place called Imble, just outside, the, just on the outskirts of Gympie, and mm. the pony club started up, and it was, it was a great great time for young people to learn to ride and mix, and yeah. that was, you know, we, we cars and that weren't a thing of those days, and mm. everyone, kids rode everywhere, so we all had a good opportunity to learn to ride, really, mm. around those areas, yeah.
0: When the time came for you to search for an apprenticeship, you contacted an uncle who was a milkman and one of his customers happened to be the late Mal Barnes who was a very good trainer of the day. But you were disappointed to learn that Mal didn't need an apprentice at the time. I think he had a couple of good ones. He
1: he did it. Yeah, he didn't want another apprentice but he had Darby McCarthy as an apprentice. Hmm. And Larry Olsen oh. coming up, so I had a bit bit of stiff composition there. Johnny.
0: Oh, not a bad Quinella,
1: yeah, beauties, weren't they? Great yeah. riders, both of great riders.
0: We lost poor old Derby only last year, Tony, which was very sad.
1: Yes, yeah, he, uh, oh, he, he he done well, I, I think Derby. You know, mm. Derby done well as a jockey and rode all, overseas and here and rode good winners and. He was always a happy fella and a good help to any anyone coming along. Mm,
0: certainly if was.
1: If you wanted to know a bit about a horse and on different types of tracks, wet, dry or wherever in tracks, he could always give you a good hand up and yeah. help you, always, yeah. no problem.
0: You finally got to start with Tony Mazaglia and you were destined to spend the full seven years of your apprenticeship with Tony. He was not only a good horse trainer – Tone, but he was a great teacher of apprentice jockeys, and he was an equally good teacher of up-and-coming trainers. And you were telling me recently that two of his training pupils went on to great success.
1: Oh, they did, you know, like Brian Mayfield Smith done well, mm. and as uh, he come to us, he come off a station up on the Tableland somewhere, yeah, and he come down here and uh, he spent probably a couple of years with us mm. at Tony's. And then uh, I think when he left, Barry Baldwin came. Yes. And they both won, Brian won premierships, I think, in Townsville and that, and then he went, went on down to Sydney mm. when he left us or vice versa. And then uh, Barry Baldwin won premierships here too mm. So as trainers. So they got a good bit of knowledge of Tony and uh, he, he handled himself very well. Tony Mazzaglia, mm. and uh, I think it was a good help to that, both those fellas. And now we got Johnny Walk was apprentice to us too mm. as a jockey, and uh, he's, he's training now, and he's, he goes pretty good, Johnny, too.
0: Mm. Now, you were all pumped up for your riding debut at a track, a race course which has long gone, Tone, Oxenford on the Gold Coast. And uh, even though you were pumped up, you were quickly deflated because you finished at the
1: tail of the field. Certainly did. They they had a horse called Harton Mm -hmm. and Peter Shane. One horse was a good old creaker on the sand. and He was a bit roguey, but anyhow, the boss put me on him for my first couple of rides on Harton first up and he ran about seven, eight lengths behind the second last horse. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It <laughs> brought you back to Earth, eh?
1: Certainly did. <laughs> and, and an hour or so later an hour or so later I rode old old Peter Shane and he did he did the same. He he just cantered round behind him. You could as it turned out later on it worked out you couldn't make him go anywhere But he
0: <laughs> you had two rides on your first day.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: For two last.
1: Yes. <laughs> but it was pretty good. We got through the day. Yeah. And I look up, I look back on it now and I think, how terrific. You know, it was just a great time.
0: Yeah. Well, you didn't have to wait long for the big day. It happened at a track that has remained one of your favourites, Kilcoy. Uh Mayor's name was Miss Dior. It was in 1963. And you tell me your heart was in your mouth when she missed the kick.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> you feel a bit out of it when that happens. Mm. And, and even today, people frown on you if you get left a bit. But anyhow, she missed the kick half a length or so. And just from the 600 home, she rounded up Bath pretty quick and beat him easy, you know, mm. a good length and a half or something. Mm. But it was a great thrill and it, uh, really exciting, it was. The proudest and happiest
0: man at Kilcoy that day was your old grandfather. He was tickled
2: pink.
1: Yeah, he was very excited, John. He uh, ended up getting under the fence out onto the track on the course proper. Did he? So, <laughs> and oh, no. he, he, he wasn't a chap like that. He wasn't a man like that, but he was very excited.
0: Yeah. Do you mean as you were coming back to scale?
1: No, as they were coming up the run, and I think he got out onto the track. Oh, did he? I think he? Yeah, I think he got out there kicking it along. Yeah. he first <laughs> But he was funny because he, they, our name was spelled a bit different to the rest, the rest other part of the family.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, there's some of us, some of the families are D T S, and we E H A R T R T S. Ts. Mm. Anyway, he went up the pe- press box. He's trying to get up into the press box to tell him <laughs> <laughs> <Was he? laughs> God love him. <laughs> yeah, eh? yeah. They spelt the name. Yeah, they spelt the name right. See, we were H-A-R-T and they were the DTs in the family.
0: Yeah, he he didn't so, take too kindly to that.
1: No, 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 no. He's German descent, you know, he didn't like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, Lorraine tells me your first city winner was a mayor called Saturday Girl. What are your recollections of that?
1: Yeah, Neil Strong trained her. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it turned out, Mrs. Headley owned her. Mm-hmm. She's my first winner. Yeah. And she also owned Cashondio. Mm-hmm. I went about seven, eight years later or more. Mm. I won the Brisbane Cup on him. Yeah, well... So she I... owned both of them. So she had a big part in my, my career at those days. Mm. You were
0: still an apprentice when you won your only Brisbane Jockeys Premiership. Now... This is a rare achievement. Uh, you know, if you go through racing history in Australia, you'll only find a sprinkling of apprentices who can defeat the older jockeys uh, in a premiership in their own particular city. I imagine your claim was long gone by the same token.
1: It, yeah, well, I'd lost my allowance pretty quick. Back then we only had, I, I think it was, might have been 20 winners. Mm. Ten, ten, win- ten winners for £7 might have been 50. I'm just not sure of the figures. Mm. But we, our allowance wasn't like it is today that keeps running on. Yeah. And uh, and they were tough old riders, too hard, tough jockeys, you know, mm. And uh, which was good, which was great experience. they they got the old story is get up or get out. Mm. Who and, were some uh, of the riders you were like,
0: competing against, Tone, that
2: year?
1: Oh, well, that year we, we had, like, Suskeeta Sanders, Peter Gummelin mm. and uh, Arthur Lister and Chica Pierce and those good, 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 tough, hard riders.
0: Hard heads.
1: Yes, yes. And <laughs> yeah. uh, Felicetti, Karen, like, they were tough old men, you know. Mm. And you either you learnt to get up and stay with them or you are in trouble. Mm. But, they, you know, just times have changed a little bit. But, uh, no, it was a good time. And we only had the, the races and we never had the seven meetings a week, the six meetings a week, you know. No, no. Well, the seven meetings now, isn't it? They race mm-hmm. Sandy Sunday, the lot, you know.
0: If you're keen enough, you can go every day.
1: Yes, yeah. It's, they've got great opportunities today.
0: Group classifications hadn't been introduced when you won your first race that would later become a Group 1, and that was the 1966 Sires Produce on a horse called Regal Adventure, and you caused a boil over. Now, this is a great story. The long odds-on favourite in the race was a brilliant horse, Nebo Road, ridden by the legendary Athel George Mulley, who committed the unforgivable in the straight when he stopped riding. And Nebo Road, you wouldn't expect a two-year-old to be cunning enough, but Nebo Road backed off a bit, and you flashed up and nailed him on the line.
1: That's right. He, he did. He was he was the best horse in Australia, two-year-old at the time. Mm. And, uh, and uh Al regular adventure was a maiden. And I just t- tagged him along. And as he started to pull him up, coming to the furlong, he looked around. He couldn't see me. I was right behind him. Mm. And he just started to pull him up. And I snuck up beside him and got up and beat him in the neck. He, he still hadn't let it. He still hadn't moved on him today. Mm. But uh, he was a bit upset about it. But I, we got home and got the money on him.
2: <laughs> mm.
0: and yeah, it was
1: really good, exciting day for me, and not much good for Apple
0: No, it'd be a few boos and jeers when he brought the favourite back. I'd imagine.
1: Oh mate, they get they would get riled up the public, <laughs> <laughs> and there were big crowds then because there was no tab and it was all bookies.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: So it was all different, you know, but. They were a sturdy mob when he was coming back.
2: Mm. You
0: mentioned Kashondio, who won the Brisbane Cup of 1970. He was a rising nine-year-old. You were only 22, and he was owned by people who'd been wonderfully supportive of your career, the Headleys. They became friends for a long, long time.
1: Yeah, lovely people and uh, yeah, real racing people. And uh, I think they bought the mare. They would bought Cassandio's mother at auction as a mm. brood mare over in England mm. at Tattersalls, I think. Mm. And they bred a lot of good horses out of her, and he was one of them. Mm. And uh, he he was a good staying horse. He's beautifully beautiful winded horse, and he could breathe while he was galloping at his top. Mm. So he, uh, not a lot of horses can do it, but he used to breathe every stride, mm. didn't matter how hard he was going or how hard you were riding him, mm. he just he, he just breathed breathing normal so but uh, you made him a good stay in
0: time oh no, yeah it? no wonder he could stay they brought him to yeah. Sydney the year before and he ran second in the AJC metropolitan and he was unfortunate enough to run into a great horse called tails that year
1: yeah he was a good horse tails mm. and he uh, and I but I think he just got better as he got older too, Cashondio. Mm. And Tails was a, a stallion, and he got a bit a, agitated and that, and mm. short shortened him up a bit. You know, mm. he didn't go on because of being a stallion. That's a, that might be only my opinion, you know. Mm.
0: You know, most Queensland jockeys get a big kick out of winning the Queensland Cup, and you were able to do that in 1973. On a horse called Lord Rego, among your special memories.
1: Yeah, he he was uh, pretty good horse, Lord Rego, and he he won the Labor Cup, lead, Labor Day Cup, leading up to that, and or a couple other races. But he was going really good, and he, he won the two mile race, mm. and uh, he he won it very convincingly, really. Mm. And uh, he, he was he was by Rego. And he was out of a state, I just forget his mother's name,
2: mm. but
1: what you would buy, but you New Zealand bred mare, a Stain bred mare. And uh, he, he, he could stick pretty well. But he also won it on a Horsevale Kingdom too, Queen Cup. Did you? Did you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm. He was a good Horsevale Kingdom, mm. trained by Norm McCullum. Yeah. And uh, he was out of a Delray mare which won a Melbourne Cup, wasn't he? Mm. Didn't he? he did, yep. Yeah, but he was a real good stayer.
0: So you won two Queensland Cups, Lord Rego and Vale Kingdom.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Tommy Smith would often come looking for you in the early part of the Winter Carnival and you got to ride some really nice horses for him. One of the best was the brilliant Black Onyx. You rode him in the Lightning Handicap at Eagle Farm in which he finished just behind the place getters and then he disappointed slightly in the Stradbroke. Who rode him in that Stradbroke?
1: Uh, I didn't ride him in the Stradbroke, and I never got back on him.
0: Yeah, but you rode him uh, work after the Stradbroke.
1: What's with? It doesn't matter anyway. Mm. But he 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 didn't he didn't put in in the Stradbroke for mm. whatever reason. Things mustn't have just gone right. Mm. And uh, he he eased up on him and he let freshen him up, got getting him ready for the ten thousand. And he he said to me he said to me at the track he said are you going you're riding that horse I said yeah that'll be right yeah but then he said are you going to ride him the next one I said yeah yeah he said you yeah, don't leave me without anybody I said no yeah. no that'll be right and he on the Tuesday morning he worked very very well mm. he just worked to win and he was a brilliant horse anyway I I did i come back I said oh he he, he should nearly win this horse where he went, mm-hmm. and that afternoon I wasn't on him. He put George on him, <laughs> ah. sure. But uh, he was riding him anyhow whenever he wanted to. But uh, I, it was just one of those things, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Tommy Smith obviously told George how well he'd worked, and and uh, you know he he conveyed your comments, and George had enough respect for your impressions to change his mind and come to Brisbane.
1: Yeah, I, he's pretty, pretty, pretty crafty, George. Mm. He knew where he was what he was about, you
0: <laughs> know. <that>. And <laughs> Black Onyx finished up winning two Doomben Ten Thousands. He was a very good horse. He went to America eventually. He bled in a race in Sydney, and uh, they sent him to the United States, where he won four or five races. But sadly, Tony, I'm, I don't know if you're aware, he actually fractured a foreleg in a race in Chicago. And he had to be put
2: down.
1: Oh, that was sad, isn't it? I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah. but yeah. He, he, And he had beautiful legs, you know, like he never had a blemish or a, a twist in him. Mm. He was really a well made horse. Uh, yeah, that's bad luck to hear that, yeah. Yeah,
0: oh, he was an outstanding horse, Black Onyx. He was by Pipe of Peace, who was a very uh, much in demand stallion at the time. You know, one of the best horses you ever rode was Authentic Air, who'd already won an Epsom and a Doncaster when Tommy Smith brought him to Brisbane for the carnival. You got to ride him in the Tattersall's Cup at Eagle Farm. You won that race and you really liked him. You told me once he felt like a good horse.
1: Yeah, he was a, he was a great horse and a beautiful horse to ride. He gave you a great feeling. And... Uh, he, he was a top he, he he was a top horse he won very easily and won like a good horse and um he he was just an old moody fella, but mm. he uh he went on he, he misrun in the cup doombin cup he was would have been favored for it and
2: yeah well
0: now what started. happened there you thought he was a special in the doombin cup
1: yeah i thought he'd win Yep, we all, we all did we thought he'd win and he uh mm. The, the lady that owned him sold him as a sire to a stud yeah. and uh, he, they didn't want him to blemish on him, I suppose, after he won that race in case mm. he did get beat. Yep. But uh, they didn't want him to run in it. But he, he would have given a good account of himself. Mm.
0: That's one that got away, mate.
1: I think so. Another
0: it was. Another very useful horse you rode for Tommy Smith was Helmsman who was owned by Tony Friedman, the late Tony Friedman, and carried the famous family colours of red with the purple sash and the white sleeves. You won an Ipswich Cup on Helmsman and you beat a WA Derby winner in that race, a horse called Asgard.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. He was a handy horse. He was a good little horse and he, uh, he'd run third, second in the German Cup. Hmm. I'd run second on him in the Dermot Cup. And uh, he, uh, he he come out and he won the Ipswich Cup, but it was a really, really neat, good galloping horse, you know. Mm. And he, he uh, done a good job. Actually... Uh, I think Michael might have, Freeman might have led him in. I'm not sure whether he's leading yeah. him in those days. He yeah. might have been strapping him too, I think.
0: Yeah, very likely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he could have been. I think he did,
0: actually. Yeah. A young Michael. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, you dead-heated in the Ipswich Cup some years earlier on a horse called Isaacson. And the yeah, horse, yeah. the co-dead-heater, was a very, very good horse called Boarhead. He later won a Caulfield Cup.
1: Yeah, he was a good horse, head. Mm. and the uh, uh, Isaacson was more known as a Creaker, a sand track horse, mm. but uh, he was trained at Ipswich, and he, he just raced enormous that day, and it was a great run. Dead heater with him, which was everyone's happy. When no matter whether you win or Dead Heat, you're still happy. Mm. So, uh, no, it was good. It was a, a good, good race. I think we linked up about the furlong. And he went head and head with it, the horse-borehead. Mm. So it was a good effort on his part of it, the horse, you know. Mm.
0: Now, what are your memories of the creek? Albion Park, you were one of the jockeys that rode there on a regular basis. I've never spoken to a creek jockey who uh, wasn't critical of the kickback, the sand coming back and belting you in the face. A very unpleasant experience.
1: Oh, you're making me smile, thinking of it. John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It uh, it was horrible, mm. but it, what it did it gave it horses that weren't good on the grass, I feel, a chance to pay their way and earn, mm. and a lot of them did. If they just they may not have been good grass horses, but they could handle sand, mm. and vice versa. And uh, they 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 had a good. It, it was a shame to see it go. Really, I I thought and mm. think, still today, because. Uh, those horses had a had a place. Owners mm. could make them pay for themselves, or trainers could make them pay. Yeah. But it was uh, competitive and hard. You know, the great the the sand was a uh, coarse sand. Mm. It wasn't fine. And if they they used to wet it down, uh, so, as they said, because of the dust around the area, because it was it in the middle of the city. There, you know. Yeah. And they used to wet it down. We weren't allowed to wear goggles because the wet sand would stick to the goggles. Mm. It just absolutely, literally tear your eyes open,
0: you know. Oh, goodness me.
1: It was terrible like that. And uh, eventually, we had the big 74 floods here years later. And uh, all the poisons and that washed out of those industrial buildings there. There was a manufacturing place put out poison and, and stuff and all the glass and that got into the sand and that uh, played havoc with everyone's eyes and the,
2: mm.
1: the glass coming back and they, they stopped w- wetting the sand down mm. to a big degree and let us wear goggles. So that was a bit of a relief and after that you didn't notice when you could wear goggles, all you could do was feel the sand cutting your ears off, <laughs> like sandblasting. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, exactly. But, but you know, but looking back now, t- what, eh?
0: looking back now, it's it's part of your career, part of the journey, and something you wouldn't have missed.
1: Oh, it was great. We, you wouldn't have missed it for for all your experience. It was just fantastic, you know.
0: Mm.
1: And it was part of life, wasn't it?
0: Yep, part of life, and to watch yep. a real creaker, to watch one of those flying machines at the creek, like Red Seas, for instance, uh, it was like watching Burnborough on a grass track.
1: Oh yes, with well, a horse that could handle it and learnt to handle it, they'd come to the corners. They were sharp corners, only about six furlongs round the track, mm-hmm. and they go hell to skelter <laughs> from fourteen hundred metre races. Five furlong races to ten furlong races would go elder skelder. Mm. and uh, horses would read the track. Once they learned to race on it, they could read the track. Yeah, and that that they they they'd take you around there. The good creakers, even mm. if you know someone wasn't such adapted to it and used to it, the horses would take them around. Yeah, they really knew what they were doing. The mm. horses they learned to handle it, and it was fabulous. Mm. And we had a lot of good times there. All the jockeys that rode there. Mm really like doing it, you know. Yep.
0: I asked George Moore the question once, um, his recollections of riding at the creek, and he said, it was tough, but I wouldn't have missed it for quids.
1: I think everybody fell into that category. Yeah. Yeah, He, it was just one of those things. During the war, it was the only track going anyhow. Yeah. So uh, everybody went there. They used to ride horses from Hendra. Over there, over to Albion, over the creek there, to mm. the races and lead them. Yeah. So uh, it 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 was a great track and it served a good purpose, you know. Mm.
0: With another spectacular English Classic sale done and dusted, yearling buyers will now focus on the English Premier Sale over three busy days: Sunday, February 28, Monday, March the first, and Tuesday, March the second. 804 yearlings have been catalogued, 590 in the premiere, 214 in the showcase session at the world-class Oaklands Auditorium in Melbourne. English believe this is the strongest Premier catalog ever produced. 75 individual vendors will offer the progeny of 118 stallions, including several impressive first season sires. 466 of the yearlings are Vobus nominated, 474 are Bob's eligible. Since 2018, 15 Group 1 winners have come out of this sale, including top liners like Nature Strip and Santa Ana Lane. Email catalogue at inglis.com.au or call 03933 1422. Remember, Every yearling in the catalog will be eligible for the Rich English Race Series in 2022. The English Premier Sale, February 28, March 1st, and March the 2nd. You had only one race ride on a terrific mare called Maybe Mahal for Bart Cummings. She was a grand mare. She won a string of Group 1s, including a Doncaster with 57 kilos. Now you rode her in an Eagle Farm flying in 1976. You ran third to Nearest and Golden Fantasy. That's the only time you rode her in a race, and I'll bet she felt like the great mare that she was.
1: Uh, she just had something special about her, mm. and she's uh, just a just a born racehorse. Just never just loaded up in the barriers, jumped, raced. Mm. Just didn't do anything wrong, just fat, beautiful to ride. Yeah. And uh, it was just, just made you feel good to ride her. Yeah. And of course, she just went, that was just when she was kicking off, really. Mm. And they were they were two good horses that beat her that day. Yeah. And uh, she just went on in leaps and bounds. She just got better and better.
0: You've enjoyed a very healthy reputation as a rider of two year olds. You won the hopeful stakes three times, you won the McDougal seven times, uh, the mining stakes multiple times. You've always enjoyed riding two-year-olds and you've been very, very good on them.
1: Yeah, well, they're exciting to ride and they they 2 two-year-olds. you really got to put your mind to it and ride them and uh, they're good to ride and they just run. They like to run and they do run mm. and uh, it's just something – I was just probably in the right place at the right time to get on them, but I I uh, just like riding them. They're mm. great for me and good to me too, John.
0: Mm. Can you single out the best two-year-old you ever rode? Did you oh, have a- I,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I, I rode none of them ended up. Minto Craig was a good horse.
0: Minto Crag finished up winning a derby, yeah. didn't he?
1: Yes, yeah. He he ended up winning the Derby.
2: Mm.
1: He won the mining stakes, five furlongs and then he won a Derby. Mm. So that, you'd have to put him in the bracket of a pretty handy horse.
0: Mm.
1: And Barty Sinclair trained him. That's right. Young Barton's father. Mm. So, uh, no, he was a good horse and I, I think a strong success. Yeah. Uh, I think that was her name. She won it won at one year, very fast mare, mm. very quick. And She was out of a Todman mare and uh, she was very quick, a good filly, you know. Mm. But they were all pretty good. They they got to be able to run to do to do that sort of perform like that.
0: Yep. You've ridden with some wonderful jockeys through the years, and you've got special admiration for a select few. You always spoke very highly of the late Colin O'Neill.
1: Yeah, Colin O'Neill, a very good rider. And uh, if you followed him in a race, he could—he taught you a lot just riding, and he was a hard, tough man too. Mm. And he, he knew where you were if you're in—if he didn't matter where he was in a race, he knew where you were. Mm. And uh, if he was in front, he knew how far you seemed to know how far you were behind him, or outside him, or inside him, or wherever he was. Mm. <clears throat> but a good, tough rider and horses run for him—very effective. Mm. And uh, I, he was just good. He was good to watch and. And take a bit of a bead off him, yeah.
0: Yeah. Lenny Hill?
1: Lenny Hill, good rider, Hill. Lenny Hill, very good rider. He, uh, he, he was a, we were a bit heavy in those days because there was such a light weight. Mm. And, uh, he had, he always had a bit of weight trouble, Lenny. And, uh, so he done extremely well.
0: You were a great Peter Cook fan.
1: Yeah. I, Peter Cook, I, hold up a bit he, he was a bit younger than us but he had beautiful hands on a horse Peter and he had the ability just for horses just to uh, drop off not pull with him mm. I'd rode a couple of horses over the time and sort I had a bit of trouble holding and that at different times in races or so they'd get over a race and mm. Peter would get on them and they'd just go around the end of the range for him mm. so uh, that that's a gift that doesn't yeah. come to everybody
0: no. And the uh, late Gary Palmer, Tony, uh, whose big race record was quite amazing.
1: Yes, Gary was a good rider, an all-round type of rider, mm. you know, he, which most jockeys are anyhow. But horses really run for him, and he had a beautiful, quiet nature. Gary, and I think it suited a lot of horses. And uh, no, he, he 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 was well worth riding in a race. You could follow him. A, and that, and uh, he's on the horse with a had a good form, and that and he was a good rider, Gary. But we had some great riders, John. We had them here. We've had them, and you know, as I said, Glenn Boss. He was here. He mm. was good. Mm. Uh, they can just go on, Ducky, Messingham. Mm. They're good riders, you know. Mm. But and I think it's ain't hey, Mick, Mick Dittman. Yeah, well, a bit harder to get past Mick, isn't it? I'll <laughs> oh, say.
0: It is, it certainly, well, it was.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a shifty yeah. little customer.
0: Great competitive he, jockey.
1: He was, yes, very, very, very competitive and a good judge of a horse. Yeah. He he seemed to have a happy knack of being able to put his finger at watch horses mm. and uh, could pick the horse that was going to improve or whatever. He, he just had a bit of a knack and uh, he was a good rider.
0: Now, Tone, I'm going to do something we've never done before on this podcast, and that's to pop a second guest on. Would you mind handing over your phone to your devoted wife, Lorraine, who is unquestionably your greatest fan?
1: Right, Rightio, John. I'll do that
3: right
0: now. Don't go away. I'll come back to you shortly.
1: Okay.
3: Good morning, John.
0: G'day, Lorraine. Thanks for coming to the phone. Lovely to talk. Pleasure. Now, Lorraine, you must wonder why the hell he'd want to be riding work at seventy-three years of age, but you're very pleased he does because oh. he's he's the best work rider in Queensland.
3: Oh, it's exceptional, uh, unbelievable. I was sort of two years floundering around there for a while, and mm. the horses weren't really racing up to their potential, and um, I think he was becoming a bit frustrated too. And I'm a very very good on like I like to watch their times and mm. try to train around what they do in the, in their work and um, in the endy uh, Drummer all came back into work and he s- decided to get on her and and um, this campaign and and ride her through and uh, he said a couple of months he rode but it was about six weeks and mm. she was due for a gallop on the Saturday morning and he said I think I'll do the gallop and. Mm. And I thought, well, maybe it's a bit quick (laughs) with your conditioning. But anyway, on it got and um, I went up into the stand and clocked him and Johnny was spot on. Yeah. Absolutely spot on on the time and uh, that's not easy to do.
2: No,
0: not when you've been away for two years.
3: No, no, but, um, yeah, and the horses, you sort of know what they're doing because he's not just a a good rider, he's a great horseman and – he can tell if they're on their wrong leg or just straight away mm. um, and come in and, and they were doing a few little things and then he, he jumped jumped a couple of them out to see why they weren't coming out of the boxes and mm. straight away you're back in the game.
0: Yeah. You carved a little piece of history in 2003 when you won a city race with a horse called Beer Commander ridden by the wonderful Bernadette Cooper, now a very popular figure on the Sky Racing Service. And I believe it was the first time a female trainer-jockey combination had actually won on a metropolitan track in Brisbane.
3: Yes, that's right. And um, Bernie was a lovely kid then too. And um, She's just – she's like a good racehorse or a good wine. She just improved and improved with age. Mm. But as a young kid, she could really ride and, and Cole Willi- Williamson was her, um, her master and he was a great what, – what you'd call a rough rider. He broke in horses and would ride anything. And um, mm. I think Bernie from day one, Cole would throw her on anything. And in those days, there, there was hardly any girl riders and they didn't get much of a go. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I thought that the commander would um, uh, claim it to help him in that race and uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: everybody said to me, you're crazy, you shouldn't be putting a girl on, she won't win, this, that and everything else as they did in those days, but it didn't mm-hmm. worry me. I, I booked her on her ability mm-hmm. and um, she rode the horse and she – was in a tight finish and she rode a rode a terrific race and he won and the owners were happy. And then all of a sudden everybody sort of said what a great um, plan that was to put the girl rider on, made the difference. <laughs> yeah,
0: after the ball.
3: <laughs> after the ball, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so as time went on we had a really great um, well, he was he was on the radio and he he wrote for the racing magazines. As we've lost him, unfortunately. But um, Graham mm. Dawson and yeah. Graham was decided to do a bit of research, and he he said he couldn't find anyone in Australia or overseas where a lady trainer and a lady jockey had combined, combined mm. on a metropolitan track. Mm. And uh, went on the metropolitan track, so. In those days, with, with the technology and that, you know, he did the best he could, but he couldn't see any. And, you know, that was terrific. I thought it was great and mm. it was good for both of us.
0: Lorraine, you suffered a debilitating illness a few years ago and for a while there, I know fears were held for your chances of survival. But you've made a remarkable recovery And during your long rehabilitation, you made up your mind to do something for racing people, male and female, with health problems or those who were dealing with the legacy of racing accidents. And you started a little fundraising concept to which you gave a very appropriate name, stilettos and saddles. Now, what do you do with these fundraisers? What form do they take? well
3: well we we actually try to give back, we give back and we we try to celebrate their accomplishments in the business and and it's amazing. we get a, a room full of people over a hundred people and and there's so many legends of their lifetime in that room and mm. and um they've won premierships that even if like Kenny Waller, he was a great um, rider up at Toowoomba mm. and he had his fan base, Barry Square, Mick Ditman, Larry Olson, mm. uh, Arthur Lister. Um, we had Edgar Britt came at 100 years old. He came to one of our lunches. Yeah, um, yeah we had Jeff Lane. He came and did a talk for us one day. Mm. And um, we've got Noel Best and oh, Jimmy Denman. He won a Doomman Cup as an apprentice, and Mm. he's now just turned 87.
2: Goodness
3: me. We had Miss Best, who was Teddy Best's sister. Mm. She was a regular of ours at our lunches, and she died at the age of 105. Yep. And um, Mary Dillon, she was two months short of her 100th year. And so we have these wonderful days, and they Mm. get back together, and honestly, it's like they're 15 again. Yeah. (laughs) They, They, They really rerun races and, and um, the sparkle comes back into their
0: eye. Yeah. Now, you run uh, raffles and uh, you raise cash money on the day. You put it away until you can go out and do something for a racing person who has fallen on tough times. What sort of things do you do? You take them for a trip in a bus somewhere.
3: Well, we do. We we've um, we take them down to the Gold Coast, and we've got um, one of our the Moon Ian Moon's sister Cecily uh, Seely Fisher. Mm-hmm. Her son Neil Fisher owns Demani's, um down at Main Beach, where a lot of racing people go, and Neil will put on a lunch for us at a very reasonable price, and so we'll have a busload of people. That we round up, sort of thing, and they all come down, and we have a lovely day down there. We've um, been over onto the island, taken them over to the island to lunch, um, and on the ferry uh, we go up the river every year on the city cat to George's. In um, oh, dear me, uh, yeah. yeah. So on, on our tenth anniversary, actually, yeah, um, Karen Denman, uh, Kerry Denman said to me. Why don't we do a cruise? And I thought, well, I don't think many people in their eighties, and that will really be interesting. But, but we'll try it. Okay, mm-hmm. let's make it our tenth anniversary cruise. Mm-hmm. So we put put a um, you know a package together that we'd do four days, which we thought would be quite enough up to the the island and back. Mm-hmm. And um, we had we took fifty eight of our racing. Um, members and friends on that trip, and we had an absolute ball.
0: Fantastic, Lorraine. And the oldies handled the cruise well.
3: Oh, it was wonderful. We had Margaret Pratt, who was 88. We had Pat Brown, who was 84, and they were all dressed up in their Gadsby gear, and they were running late, weren't sort of at the spot we'd chosen and we were all a bit concerned and we looked around and here they came in their feathers and their biggest brightest smiles and I said, Here we go, (laughs) they're making a Joan Collins entrance. Well the whole boat just erupted in the floor. Beautiful stuff. The the photos are fantastic, you know, just Mm. it brings them back and and it and it celebrates what they Um, contributed to the racing. And we've had so many people that have helped us along the way. The Brisbane Racing Club and Bart Sinclair every year, they're fantastic. They give us a really reasonable price so that we we can come home to Eagle Farm and um, we have a fabulous, fabulous big Christmas party. Mm. And um, Normie Rowe actually did our first, which was last Monday. Yeah. And he came and he gave us an hour singing for us We mm. and he had lunch with us. And um, his manager for 30 years is a guy called Ken Godfrey. And mm. as an apprentice jockey, they called him Froggy Godfrey. Mm. And uh, he came back into the club like when he heard about us and came to some of our lunches and said he'd like – Normie to do, a, a, you know, a, an hour set for us with his band. Well, that was on Monday and, honestly, it was so fantastic. All, all that sparkle was right back in all their, their eyes. Even even um, Margaret Pratt at 89 now, she was yeah. up bopping, so... We had a room
0: <laughs> full of groupies. <laughs> well, gee, you're pulling out the heavy artillery, Normie I
3: know, I know, and he had an absolute ball. He told <laughs> Ken that he had a better day there than he's ever had at any of those big entertainment days. He said yeah. he had an absolute ball.
0: Ah, oh, that's great. Lorraine, you've done a wonderful job, and I wish you all the luck in the world with this concept, <laughs> stilettos and saddles. Now, if somebody wants to come along to one of the luncheons or cruises or whatever you might be doing... Can they give you a call?
3: They can certainly do that. They can either call me, they can send me an email, and mm. um, or get in touch with me, and, and we'll make sure they're on the right track.
0: What's the email address?
3: Um, it's lolerhart at gmail.com.
0: Just repeat that, Lorraine.
3: L o l e r
0: H-A-R-T at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Great. Lorraine, you and Tony are the parents of two boys and they've both made their presence felt in racing. Craig's the elder, Daryl's the younger.
3: That's right, yes. They both had trainer's licence. They both ridden work when they were younger. Um, Daryl went on to Glen Alveston College and became a farrier and he's mm. a very, very good farrier. And um, mm. Craig, they both had trainer's licences. And uh, Craig now is an owner in, in horses, he races horses, but mm. um, his business is outside racing. But he still participates in, in the racing in some way. Mm. But, um, no, they're both good.
0: They're great. Great news. Lorraine, thanks for coming onto the podcast. Great to hear uh, that you've made a full recovery from that very dangerous illness a few years ago. And uh, you're a lady of great heart and great spirit and great generosity. And I commend you for all you've done uh, in raising funds to make life a little easier for raising people who've fallen on hard times. You're a great girl.
3: Thank you very much, John.
0: Lorraine, is your old man still there? Yes, he
3: is. I'll Thank just you. say
0: ta-ta. Extract? Did you
3: extract anything out
0: of her? Oh, Tony, she's uh, got a very fluent style and gets her point across, as you no doubt have yeah. found out many, many times.
1: Yeah, <laughs> she, she handles that very well.
0: She does. Well, Tony, yeah. time's beaten us. I just want to say thanks for your time. It's been a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. You're You are and you have been a wonderful ambassador for Queensland Racing and you've been a credit to the noble art of race riding in a country which boasts some of the best jockeys in the world. Big job well done, mate.
1: Thanks for that, John.
0: Tony Earhart on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound.